morning, Grace Church. How you guys doing? Good to see you. I hope you're having a good weekend. So good to be here with you. Let me just say that if you are new to Grace Church and this is your first time here, thank you so much for being here. Glad you're here, as DJ mentioned earlier. And uh, I just want to say that if you're new to Grace Church, uh, my name's Clark. I help lead our young adults uh, college-age ministry called New Perspective. And I also help uh, lead and oversee our life groups. And uh, I'm really excited about that new life group that, uh, that has started called the Dorrance Life Group. Those guys are awesome. And, uh, but if I've never met you, I'd love to meet you afterwards in our cafe and love to shoot the breeze with you. Uh, if you're new to Grace Church, again, here at Grace, we go through what we call series where we pick a topic, talk about it for a couple weeks, three, four, five, maybe even six weeks. We move on to something different, and we thought it'd be really helpful to talk a little bit about fear, overcoming our fear. And so uh, I, I know um, a good handful of people in this room. I don't know everybody in this room here today, but I would say that the one common denominator that many of us share in this room is that we all face fear, right? And I wish that wasn't the case, but it is true. And I know for my life personally, I am way too familiar with fear. Fear is virtually inescapable. It's the one thing I know from being 27 years old from the time that I've been alive. Fear shows up in so many areas of my life, and I really wish it didn't. It shows up everywhere. It's virtually inescapable. Everywhere from financials, uh, finan- finances, it shows up relationally in my life. It shows up uh, with work, whether it's work-related, whether it's school-related, academics, you name it. Fear is just so pervasive in my life. And my guess is that you can identify with that, that you can look in areas of your life and you can see that fear is also virtually inescapable, right? And uh, I wish that wasn't the case. But the reason I I even know that, because I've talked to some of you. Some of you even mentioned to me some of the ways that you are absolutely paralyzed by fear in your life. I have heard everything, everything from from finances. I've heard some of you, I know this because you've told me, Clark, I don't know how I'm going to make my next house payment. I'm paralyzed by fear financially. Some of you, I I know because you've told me, you've told me, man, I, I am so horrified at the idea that I could live the rest of my life being single, being alone. And so you're paralyzed relationally. Some of you, you've told me that you're paralyzed by fear. We have a lot of new moms and dads at at Medina East Campus. And some of you, I've I've talked to you and you've told me, man, before I was a dad, before I was a mom, I never ever worried about buying formula. I never ever worried about changing diapers. And now it seems like all I do, I think I've watched the movie Frozen like seven times today. And you're picking up the crushed Cheerios from the carpet, right? And so you're paralyzed by fear because you want to be a good mom. And you want to be a good dad. And you see, this shows up everywhere in our life. The reason I know this is because I've talked to some of you. Some of you have even told me, Clark, I'm paralyzed by fear. I don't even know why I'm paralyzed by fear. And you say, I struggle with anxiety, struggle with depression. Sometimes I don't even know why I'm stressed out. It's like there's this impending doom that's happening. And I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but I just recently read in the National Institute of Mental Health, they said that 18% of Americans, 18 and older, 40 million Americans suffer from general anxiety. It's a huge problem. So you see fear is virtually inescapable and it shows up in all areas of life. But it begs a really good question, doesn't it? How do we overcome this fear that is so present in our day to day? How do we overcome this fear? And I don't mean to insult your intelligence because I, see, I think that a lot of us are gonna already know this. It's, it's an obvious answer. But I believe that the, the answer to, to solving, to overcoming our fear and navigating fear in our life is courage. And that's what this series is going to be all about. But I'll take it a step further than that. And I just want to say this, that, that courage is actually not an autonomous, self-generated virtue. Let me say that one more time. Courage is not an autonomous, self-generated virtue. It's a derivative virtue. 
and it derives from something else. It's secondary to something else. It is a product of faith. It's a product of our faith, and where we place our faith will ultimately determine our capacity to be courageous. And so that's what this series is going to be all about. We're going to be talking about how to overcome our fear by being courageous. And I'm really, really looking forward to this. I see this in my life, and I know it's a huge, huge problem. And my guess is a lot of you can identify with that. But God has not left us alone. We're not the only ones, we're not the first ones that struggled with this, you guys. And so I'm encouraged to know that I'm not alone in this. We're in this together, and we together can discover how how it looks to be courageous. And so I'm excited for that. In, in our, in our uh, culture, we see this show up as well. We hear it through music. We hear it through uh, commercials, television, advertisements, all these different cultural narratives, all these different representational messages of what it means to overcome fear, of how we navigate fear in our lives. We see it all over the place. There's so many examples that I could provide for us this morning, but let me give a couple to you. There's a song by Taylor Swift. My guess is everybody is familiar with this, but in her song, Shake It Off, she says this. Because the player is going to play, 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 play. Haters going to hate, 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 hate. You guys heard this song before. Baby, I'm just going to shake, 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 shake. Shake it off. I shake it off. Heartbreaker is going to break, 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 break. The faker is going to fake, 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 fake. You know how it goes. But baby, what am I going to do? I'm going to shake, 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 shake. I shake it off. I shake it off, right? And so I don't know about you, but um, I, don't know if, I don't know if that's going to work or not. But uh, that's one of the cultural <laughs> narratives that we hear. And uh, here's another one I want to share with you this morning. That's a song. Everybody knows that. Here's another one by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. How many of you listen to classic rock? Me and my dad listen to classic rock. 97.5 WLNE is F-150. That was my whole childhood right there. But anyway, this song, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, he says this. This is the cultural narrative we see here in this song. Well, I won't back down. I won't back down. You can stand me up at the gates of hell, and I won't back down. It's such a bold claim, right? And he says, no, I'll stand my ground, won't be turned around, I'm going to keep this world from dragging me down, I'm going to stand my ground, I'm going to turn that frown upside down, and he just keeps going and going and going. And, and so we see this, it's another re- cultural narrative, it's a representational message in saying that when I have fear, the way I navigate fear, the way I overcome fear in my life, is I stand my ground. There's a quote here I want to share with you, it's from John Wayne. John Wayne says this about courage, he says, courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. John Wayne says, the way that, that, that I overcome and navigate fear is I, is I don't stand my ground, shake it off, but I saddle up, regardless of whether I'm scared or not. And so what is John Wayne trying to say here? What is Tom Petty and Heartbreakers trying to say? What is Taylor Swift trying to say? They're all kind of saying the same thing. They're saying the way to be more courageous is to be more courageous. It's to muster up the inner hero. It's to, I'm going to hunker down. I'm going to try to be more courageous, right? And I would submit to you that that by way of contrast, there is another narrative that, that God gives us in his word. And, and, and by way of contrast, dif- differentiating from the, the cultural narrative, we're given a biblical narrative. And, and the Bible will tell us something very, very different. The Bible will tell us that our courage is not an autonomous, self-generated virtue, but it is a derivative virtue and it derives from faith. It's a product of our faith. And that when we place ourselves, when, when we place our faith in, in, any, in, in something different than ourselves, something different than something else. But when we place our faith in the person of Jesus Christ, then we then, it then galvanizes our courage. And we, we then are able to have our capacity to be courageous kind of goes to the roof because of the work that Jesus Christ has done. 
for us. And so the Bible would tell us a different narrative. The Bible tells us that the source of our courage comes from a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. The Bible tells us that by grace, through faith, that we are saved. The Bible would tell us that Jesus lived this life, a perfect life. He died a death we couldn't die, and he rose from the grave, conquering and defeating Satan, sin, and death. The Bible tells us that when we place our faith in Christ, then that is what's going to determine our capacity to be courageous. And so it's a very encouraging message. And so uh, kind of my hope through this series is that we would kind of unpack that a little bit more. That's kind of the premise is that uh, courage is not a self-autonomous virtue. It derives from faith. And where you place your faith will ultimately determine our capacity to be courageous. And so today we're going to, uh, we're going to see that we're not the only ones that struggled with this. And I'm so thankful for that. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, go with me to Joshua chapter 5. It's on page 149 in those black Bibles in the chairs that you're sitting in. And if you don't have a Bible, go ahead and take one of ours. Love to make that a gift from us to you. That's just our way of saying thank you so much for being here. Thank you for carving out the time to come to Medina East on your Sunday morning. We realize that you don't have to do that, but you decided to do that. So we're glad you're here. So take this gift from us to you. And if you're more of a digital person, then uh, do us a favor. Go to the app store, type in Grace Ohio, and you can get the Grace Church app. And you can follow along with Joshua chapter 5 in our past, today's passage of study as well. That's where we're going to be going. Before we dig in, let me just uh, pray for us. I want to ask God to kind of lead us and guide us as we be- begin to embark on this brand new journey together in this sermon series titled Fearless, Stories of Faith in the Book of Joshua. God, I just want just to come to your throne right now, God. And uh, Lord, I just want to say thank you so much for every individual in this room here this morning, God. I'm so thankful that they showed up here today and, and, are, and are eager to, maybe for some of us, God, we're, we're investigating you. And uh, Lord, we, we're maybe, maybe we're not really sure how to think about, about, about the Bible or about Jesus or about the gospel or anything like that. God, maybe for some of us, we've been following you for a while. And uh, God, we just need more wind in our sails. We need to be reminded, God. Lord, I pray that regardless of where anybody's at right now, God, that you would, that you would reveal yourself to us, God. That when the Bible opens, your mouth would open, God. Lord, your word, I'm reminded of Psalm 23, God, that even in the valley of the shadow of death, Lord, we can fear no evil because your rod, your staff, and it comforts us, God. So I pray you lead us and guide us today. Make us men and women of courage. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when I was about 10 years old, me and my buddy Jeff, we rode bicycles all the time. We rode bicycles uptown. We got candy. We got ice cream. We loved hanging out together. We had a neighbor that lived in between our houses, and uh, he had something in his backyard. It was pretty awesome, pretty awesome in the eyes of a 10-year-old, at least. And what he had in his backyard was a trampoline. And I don't know about you, but when I was 10 years old, jumping on the trampoline was like a divine moment from God. I mean, trampolines were amazing. I still think they're fun. But when I was 10, like, that was an awesome thing to do. And the weather was really nice, kind of how it's been lately. But there was a problem, because the person that, that lived at this house, that trampoline in the backyard... He, had a, he, he was very devoted to professional wrestling. Very devoted to professional wrestling. Yeah, amen, right? All right. And, and here's what ended up happening with this scenario. He loved professional wrestling so much. He was so devoted to professional wrestling. So much to the point where he had these stuffed animal wrestlers on his trampoline. And he would try to reenact and re-perform the moves that the pref- professional wrestlers did. And so when we went over there, me and Jeff, our hopes was kind of, you know, we're 10 years old. We're just kids. I'm probably, you know, at this point in my life, 4 foot 10, 85, 90 pounds soaking wet. This guy's probably 18, 19 years old, 
190 pounds. And we go over there, and of course, when he's not using his professional wrestlers to reenact these moves, he's using me and my buddy Jeff. And so it was pretty terrifying. And so he, he would do moves. I don't even know. What, I just know he would yell really loud, tombstone, pile driver, all kinds of stuff. And so we lived under the tyranny of, of this guy's, you know, love and passion and devotion of professional wrestling. This went on for a couple of weeks, and it went on and on and on until one day. One day I'll never forget. See, the day that made this different from the typical days that we go there is that Jeff's dad was in his garage working on his tractor. I don't know what he was doing. But Jeff's dad came out of his garage, and Jeff's dad walked over, saw what was happening to me and Jeff, and I'll never forget what happened. Jeff's dad went over there, and I don't know what he said exactly, but it was something to the effect of, if you touch these kids like that ever again, blank, 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 blank. We're in the church service right now, so I don't know what he said, but it was something that is, you know, I'll just blank out for the sake of our conversation, but I'll never forget after that day, this guy never messed with me and Jeff again. And we were able to kind of stride in confidence and just know that we could go jump on the trampoline and we could know that nobody would mess with us. And we rejoiced. And I remember saying, even in the valley of the shadow of professional wrestling, I will fear no evil. No, I didn't say that. But, but why tell you that? The reason I share that with you here this morning is because I learned a really valuable lesson that day. And here's the lesson that I learned. The lesson that I learned is this, is that I learned that courage is not an, an autonomous, self-generated virtue, but it's a derivative virtue, and it derives from something else. It's a product of something else. It's a product of faith. And in that day, my faith was not placed in myself or anything else. It was placed in the one who came to save me. In this case, it was Jeff's dad. And so... The reason I share that with you is because I had this confidence, the same confidence that Joshua and the Israelites were going to come to find they had. I had this confidence. When I came to know Jesus Christ, I was given a confidence. I was given a courage, and it was derived from the faith that I placed in Christ. And some of you today, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've had that experience. And I wish we had the time to hear all the stories. But some of you, maybe you are here today, and you are looking for answers. Maybe for you, you are, are facing some incredible amounts of fear in your life. And I want, I want to tell you here this morning that, that I think God can free us of that. I think God can take us from, from being paralyzed by fear to take us from a life of that slavery to a life of bravery. And I want to talk about what that looks like. So break in with me, if you would, at verse 13. And let's talk about this a little bit. Let's jumpstart this conversation together. Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 through 15, page 149, says this. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? And I just want to pause there for a second. I want you to notice that uh, Jericho, that's a city. Jericho was a city in this time. And it's important to know a little bit about this city. Jericho was a walled city. And it was a fortified city. And humanly speaking, it was an impossible city for, the, for Joshua and the Israelites to take apart from the help in the hand of God. And I also think it's important for us to know for the sake of our conversation that this is actually not the first time that Joshua has been to Jericho. If we were to rewind 40 years ago from this point in time, we would know that Joshua wasn't in charge during the time Moses, this other famous person of the Bible, was in charge. And Moses ended up sending 12 spies to go seek out the land. Two of these spies, one of them was Joshua, another one was Caleb. They went and sought out the land, and they came back and they reported what they saw. They reported what they saw to Moses. And they, they said to Moses, 
we saw that this land flows with milk and honey. It's a land that flows in milk and honey. They showed him the fruit that was in the land. They said, this is a good land. And then another, another uh, report came. And it was a different report from Joshua and Caleb's report. The other 10 spies, they end up coming back. They end up coming back to Moses. They end up reporting a different report. And they said, there's giants that live there. They, w- they would devour us. And, and, the, and they basically said, we would have been better off dying in Egypt. And so Joshua and Caleb, they were on board with that mission. They wanted to go get the land. But you see, these, the other 10 spies weren't on board. And so we fast forward back 40 years later, and we're back at our passage of study again. And so Joshua is there, and he's probably an old man by now. He's probably 80, 85 years old. And he remembers everything. He has this instant flashback, this instant uh, recollection of what that was like. He remembers what the spies said, kind of the attitude and the posture that they had towards taking that land. He remembers them saying, like, man, when we were oppressed in Egypt, we were shut out of the educational institutions. We lack the knowledge to do this. We not only lack the knowledge to do this, we lack the military skill to do this. We lack the training to do this. We lack the confidence to do this. Where are we going to find the courage to do this? Where are we gonna, how are we going to do this? And then Joshua remembers all that. And he says, here's the opportunity. And so what does Joshua do? 80, 85-year-old Joshua marches right up to this guy. In the text, when it says went up, that's actually if you shove that back into the Hebrew language, you get a metaphor and it actually means that Joshua is 80, 85. He, want, he challenged him. It's a metaphor. He like got up in his face. And he's like, I just imagine I'm like 80 or 85-year-old like, I'm going to take this land, sonny. And so I don't know if that's a Bane voice from Batman or if that's an old guy. But you can tell me after the service. But I just imagine him getting like, just getting right up in his face, right? And so he does that. And then notice the response when he asked that question, are you for us or for our enemies? Notice the way that the man with the drawn sword responds to Joshua. Notice what happens in verse 14. It says neither, which is really confusing, by the way. He replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua, notice what happens. Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? So what we see happening here is that Joshua folds like a cheap lawn chair in worship and in reverence. And watch what happens next. Verse 15, the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Some scholars speculate that this man with the drawn sword is an angel. But I would, I would disagree with that. Some other scholars don't think that it's an angel. And here's why. We see angels kind of pop up in other places of the Bible. The Bible's main themes are basically grace, salvation, and sin. We see that all over the place. But every once in a while, an angel will pop up. And we'll be like, ooh, angel. Let's make a movie and call it Angels in the Outfield with Danny Glover. No, but we see angels in the Bible, and we kind of get preoccupied with them. And we kind of... Angels are kind of peripheral to the main story of the Bible, but they do show up. And one thing that we do know about Bibles is that you don't worship angels. One thing we know about angels is they don't worship angels. And, and the reason I can say that is because at the end of, of the book of Revelation, chapter 22, in the book of Revelation, John goes down to worship this angel. And the angel actually gets upset. He's like, no, don't worship me. He says, I'm a servant of the Lord, just like you are, John. He says, don't worship me, worship God. The one who created angels, the creator, the one who created everything, the one who holds the universe in the word of his power. 
And so we find that you don't worship angels, you worship God. The angel directs John to worship God. So why do I bring that up? Why is that important for us to know? Because when you notice in our text, in this passage in Joshua, does this pers- if this is an angel, does this person tell Joshua not to worship him? He doesn't, does he? What does he do? He tells him, he doesn't stop him. He actually says, Joshua, take off your shoes. You are on holy ground. You are before the presence of the Lord. And so I read, th- I read this somewhere. I'm, I'm just going to say it. it's way, it sound, it's, I'm going to sound way smarter than what I usually do. But I read in a commentary, it said, this is a preliminary manifestation of Jesus Christ. And what it's saying is, this isn't a hologram. This is kind of an introductory to say that one day, God will and can, he can and will come and deliver his people here. He will come, uh, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law from the curse of sin. And he said that this is an introductory, this is, this is showing that God can come and put on flesh and deliver his people. And so I, I, I know reading this passage, for me, uh, the first time I read this, I thought to myself that, you know, this, this seems a lot like kind of when I came to know Jesus, when I kind of came to faith. It was very, very similar to this story with Joshua. And the reason why I say that is because I don't know if you noticed it or not, but when Joshua comes up to this man with a drawn sword, he has an agenda. And his agenda is, are you for us or are you for our enemies? And I remember when I came to know Jesus, I came to Christianity and I had, I had an agenda. And I said, Jesus, can you, can you help me? Can you help me financially? Jesus, can you help me relationally? Jesus, can you help me where I'm paralyzed by fear in my life? God, I'm paralyzed by fear. Can you help me? But if you can't, then I want nothing to do with this. And so some of us, we can kind of identify with this a little bit. Some of us in this room, we came to Jesus the same way. We all do this. We come to God, we come to Jesus, come to Christianity, and we're like, God, if you help me with this, then I'll be a disciple of you. Then I'll follow you, Jesus. If you help me make that next payment, or my house, next house payment. God, if you help me with my relational problems. God, if you help me financially. If you help me with this impending doom that I'm facing in my life. With my anxiety, with my depression. Then I'll follow you, Jesus. Then I'll be a disciple of you. And so God looks at us. And God would say this. We come to God and we say, God, are you for us? Or are you for our enemies, God? And God says, when you come to me like that. When you come to me conditionally. When you come to me with ifs. When you come to me saying, if you help me with this, then I will follow you. When you come to me conditionally, you haven't come to me at all. And you have to realize who you're dealing with here. He says, this is the King of kings, Lord of lords. He's in the presence of this holy God. And so let me just say that if you are here today and you are looking, if you have questions about how to overcome your fear, you couldn't have came at a better day. Some of you, the reason I know this is because I, I talked to some of you. Some of you, you're struggling with, with finances. You're struggling, uh, whether it be uh, rela- relational, whether in marriage, or whether you're single and you're looking for someone else, and, and, you're, and you're paralyzed by fear. And I want to tell you that, that you couldn't have came at a better day. And the reason why I can say that is because one day Jesus does come. Here's the reason why that sword didn't fall on Joshua. He's standing before a holy God. Because one day Jesus Christ, he will come not in strength, but in weakness. Again, he will come born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, to save them from the curse of sin. And Jesus, what he does is he, the reason why the, ford, the, the sword doesn't fall on Joshua is because Jesus 
falls on his own sword, so to speak. We look at Jesus on the cross and we can see this, this, this picture of God's love for us. God loves us with all of his heart, all of his soul, all of his mind, all of his strength. And if you came here today and you're looking for reasons to have courage, then there's your reason right there, is that God loves you. And the same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is available to you right now. But I can't make that decision for you, of course. So what do you do with a message like this? And I, w- I would submit to you that you do the same thing that Joshua did. You come to Jesus and you don't say, I'm the general. Will you enlist into my army, Jesus? Come to Jesus in, in reverence and in worship and you realize that this is the God who holds the entire universe by the word of his power. The God that loves you so much that he came and died for you. A criminal's death on the cross rose from the dead. And that same power is available to you right now. That same power that rose Jesus from the dead is available to you right now. And I know that sounds really pie in the sky. But I just want to say this. That what, it, what, what you see Joshua did when he came to Jesus with the, with conditionally and said... Are you for us or against us? Well, after he came to him in reverence and in worship, what did he do? He, he, he enlisted in God's army. God, said, God looks at us. He looks at me. He looks at you. He looks at all of us. And he says, if you come to me conditionally, you haven't come to me at all. But the real question shouldn't be, God, are you for me or against me? He says, you're asking the wrong question. The question that we, we should be asking God is, are we for or against him? And we enlist into his army. And so if you're here looking and wondering, how do you overcome fear? How do I overcome the fear of my finances, my relational problems? The way you do that is by enlisting into God's army. Okay, so how do I listen to God's army? Here's how you do that. You don't enlist in an army and go fight Copley or whatever. You're not going to go take the walls of Jericho down. The Bible tells us that our war is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers and the authorities and the, and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. A lot of times it's the lies that we tell ourselves. A lot of times it looks that way. It's, it's saying that I can't, I won't, God can't, God can't use me, I'm damaged goods. And I'm here to tell you, if you're here today and you're thinking about that, with all due respect, you're wrong. And God can use you. God wants to use you. And if you enlist into God's army, if you do that, you know, not physically bow down and worship, you don't have to do that. But if in your heart, between you and God, you say, God, I want to enlist in your army. One way you can do that, even this week, pull out that connection card in your program, I, w- I would submit to you, I, w- I would say go public in your faith and just get baptized. So I'm going to listen to God's army. Because for a lot of us, we're writing our courage a check that our faith can't cash. And I want more courage for you. And if you're wondering, how do I maximize my capacity to be courageous? That's how you do it. Our courage is not an autonomous, self-generated virtue. It's a virtue that derives out of something else. It derives out of faith. And, and you're either going to place your, God, your, your faith in God, or you're going to place your faith in something else. But if you place your faith in the one who came and died for you, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to galvanize your courage. Your courage is going to go through the roof. And if you come back next week, we're going to talk about courage and failure. Because I don't want to pretend like everything's okay, guys. Just because I'm standing here and I have a microphone doesn't mean that I'm not messed up. I deal with, I deal with fear all the time. And I don't, ever, I don't ever deal with it the way that I think is the most glorifying to God. But I want to tell you that even in our failure, God sees you. I deal with this. You know what, some of you know what I'm talking about. 
for all of us, he looks at us and he says, place your faith in me and list into my army. And so I just want to encourage you in that way. And that's how it looks. Now, I want to I kind of show us how this story of Jericho kind of plays out a little bit. And I want to do that by looking at Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. So let me just kind of walk us through this here for a second. In Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, let me read it to us. Now, the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. So they had this place locked up pretty good. The Lord said to Joshua, see, I have, what's the word? Delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. So you imagine these guys are marching around the city with all the armed men. He says, do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, March around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. So just imagine these guys marching around, priests blowing the trumpets a little bit. Verse 5, when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. And that's exactly what they did. That's exactly what the Israelites did. Joshua led them there. They marched around the walls, followed the instructions of the Lord, and they, they took the land of Jericho. And the reason why I tell you that is because they had the confidence from God. They had this faith. They've had this courage. And the courage they had, they realized, was not an autonomous, self-generated virtue. It was a derivative virtue that derived from their faith that was placed in the God who saved them. And that's the same confidence that Christ gave to me when Christ came into my life, defied my life trajectory, And some of us in this room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And then there's some of you today, you are here today, and you just don't know. You're kind of of still investigating, and I totally get that. We're glad you're here. Thank you so much. We actually, the church actually isn't for the church. We exist for the world. And so if you're here today and you're you're looking for answers, you're you're wondering, how am I going to overcome this fear? That's how you do it. That's how you overcome that fear. That's, the, that's how we're going to define courage throughout this series. Courage that is placed in the faith, that is, faith that is placed in the one who came and saved us. And I just want you to know that same power that rose Jesus from the dead is available to you today. And so I've talked to some of you. Some of you are struggling financially. You don't know how you're going to make that next house payment. You can overcome that fear. People will look at you and they'll be like, how do you do it, man? I don't understand. You're not, you don't know how you're going to make your next house payment. How do you do that? It's going to look very different from the culture. People are going to ask you, I don't understand why you're not freaking out. And you could say, I know, I, know that, I know where my courage derives from. It comes from faith. And I know where that faith is placed. That faith is placed in the one who came and saved me. Some of you, the same thing relationally. You're, you're living your life and, you're, and you're, you're kind of worried. You think God's distant. You're like, I'm, the, I'm a single guy. I'm a single girl. I'm going to live the rest of my life. And I don't know if I'm, I'm ever going to get married. I might live my, the rest of my life alone. And so you're plagued, you're paralyzed by fear. But you can know, you can have courage because the courage comes from the faith that you placed in the one who came to save you. That's how you overcome that. That's how you overcome 
you know, wanting to be a better mom or being a better dad, those days where you, you watch Frozen seven times, right? Days where you're trying to pick up the crushed Cheerios from the carpet and you're trying to get the formula ready and all that stuff. How do you, how do you overcome that fear that you're a bad mom or you're a bad dad? Well, you remember that you have courage. And you remember that courage came from the faith, the faith that's placed in the one who came to save you. We can all have that confidence, that confidence that we read about in the book of Joshua the confidence that I had the day that Jeff's dad came and saved us from the tyranny of the professional wrestler guy. I had that confidence when I came to know Jesus. Some of you know this confidence that I'm talking about. Some of you know that. Some of us know that in this room. But I want you to know that that confidence, that courage is available to you today. So if you are here and you're in a rut right now and you don't know where to, where to get more courage, if the only advice you're giving yourself is the personal pep talk to be more courageous, I want you to know that that same power that rose Jesus from the dead is available to you today, if you choose to do so. And if you want to talk about that, we'd love to sit down and talk to you about what that looks like. Again, inside your program, there's that connect card. And, and if you want to go public, make a public profession of your faith and say, I want to enlist into God's army, I want courage that is derived from faith placed in the one who saved me, and you can do that here today. And I want to encourage you to do that. Another thing I want to mention as well is if you find yourself, next time you find yourself in a situation that, that requires extraordinary courage, ask yourself this question. Where do I place my faith? Because the way you answer that question will determine your capacity to be courageous. I want to ask the band to come up now. And as they get settled in, I just want you to imagine with me what this could look like in our community of Medina. If we are able to grab a hold of this profound reality that courage is not an autonomous, self-generated virtue, but is a derivative virtue, and it derives from faith, and that faith is placed in God or something else. But if we place that faith in Jesus Christ, if we have that same power that rose Jesus from the dead living inside of us, God is going to give you, God is going to supply you with, people are going to look at your life and see this beautiful portrait of bold, audacious faith. And they're going to ask you, man, how do you do that? How do you do it? And I just want you to know that when God gives us that power, when God gives us that courage, he doesn't give that for what we want to do. He gives that for what we are called to do, to advance the kingdom of God. And so come back next week and we're going to talk about courage and our failures. Let me pray for us. God, I just want to say thank you so much. Lord, thank you for the book of Joshua. God, I'm so thankful that I'm not the only one that struggled with this kind of stuff. Lord, I know this shows up in my life. I know it shows up in so many people's lives, God. I know there, there's so many hurting people at, at this campus, God. So many people that need to, to go from slavery to bravery, God. They're, they are being paralyzed by fear, God, financially, relationally. Lord, some of us, we just suffer from anxiety. There's this impending doom, and we don't know where it comes from. Maybe it's a metal, medical, a mental uh, health condition. We don't know, God, but Lord, there's nothing too big for your gospel. There's nothing too big for you, God. Lord, I pray that you would just work on our hearts, God. Lord, show us, God, that, that, that our courage is not an autonomous, self-generated virtue, but it derives from faith. And if we place that faith in the one who came to save us, the one who gave it all, And Lord, if you're for us, then who could be against us, God? So I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.